Open the pod bay doors, please, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. This ticker podcast is brought to you by Broadridge Financial Solutions. Hi, everyone. I'm a little uneasy about AI, about artificial intelligence. Diligent listeners of this podcast may recall our story a while back on how computers are fast learning to be journalists. In fact, machines are set to displace workers in all sorts of fields. Positions in law, medicine, and finance, for example, are prime targets for a new wave of automation. So, if AI will become so pervasive, can it one day replace human directors on corporate boards? My guests today predict not, but they do expect it to profoundly change corporate governance. They say using AI to both analyze data and enhance a board's decision-making will soon be commonplace. And they warn corporate directors must keep abreast of AI concepts to properly fulfill their fiduciary duties. Those that fall behind risk losing their company's competitive advantage. And I guess it follows probably their jobs as well. John Hotta is a board director and retired technology executive. John began his career conducting AI research for the Rand Corporation, and he's played key technology roles at Microsoft and Accenture. Today, he spends much of his time advising company boards on technology, including cybersecurity, privacy, and AI implementation. We'll also hear from Michael Tay. Mike leads Broadridge Financial Solutions' corporate strategy, and he's also got an impressive pedigree. I think the most interesting thing about his background is that he was Director of Investments for TARP, the Troubled Asset Relief Program at the U.S. Department of Treasury. On this Ticker Podcast, how to smartify your board and build your company's AI strategy. John and Mike speak at lots of governments conferences, so the first most obvious question I had was, how hep are corporate directors to AI? The first voice you'll hear is that of Mike. Where are we along the spectrum here in terms of adopting AI? I guess what I'd say is that uh, that the people that we talk to, there's there's probably a, a range of people. You know, then there's folks that are in the early stages and experimenting. There are other ones that have are a little bit down further on the curve and have been you know have been implementing and have you know real projects that that are being implemented across their businesses. So there's probably a range of folks that that I've encountered in terms of their awareness of artificial intelligence and. Um, the amount of effort and energy and investment that they've put into those types of technologies. But just generally speaking, what I would say is that investments overall as a, as a, broad, as a, as a broad matter have been growing across um, the board in every industry. And so, you know, some stats that, that I'd like to throw out are, you know, IDC, they forecast that, you know, for cognitive AI, the spending will reach $77.6 billion by 2022. That number, you know, is a number in of itself, but that represents a five uh, a five year growth rate of thirty seven percent. So definitely, I think you know, in terms of the the range is broad, but I'd say that the future, you know, spending is going to be pretty big 
um, just because of the of the potential that exists for uh, for AI type technologies. Can, can I just add a couple of things too? Uh, you know, the the things I would add is that. You know, I, I think artificial intelligence actually is a very easy concept for anyone to understand, and and that is that AI is basically uh, machines which are continually and constantly learning. So um, anything that the machine senses, um, it assesses and evaluates, and there's just a continuous loop of sensing, evaluation, assessing, and learning. And so if you think of you know, AI is simply that, a constantly learning um, system, a constantly learning machine. It's a really easy concept to understand. Uh, and I do think that um, there are some C-level uh, members who make it seemingly more complicated than that um, for directors. And so there's a little bit of I know something that you don't know. But I really think that this concept is incredibly easy for a director to understand. And I think as we'll get into next hour, uh, Michael and I will talk about how you know directors can take AI to the boardroom um, to apply it to strategy, to apply it to risk, to apply it to other areas okay. um, in, in the boardroom. What's your sense of sort of different geographies picking up on this? Are you sensing um, uh, you know some areas of the world where they're they're further along the the route than others? Okay, so my, my opinion is that um, I do feel that, that Asia is more advanced in terms of um, artificial intelligence and maybe technology in general. Uh, I think that there is a more coordinated effort uh, between uh, government and private industry to further along technology and artificial intelligence. So I, I see that more in uh, Asia and Southeast Asia. Obviously, um, in North America, um, both Canada and the U.S., there's quite a bit of investment and um, you know, furthering of AI. Also, in uh, places like the U.K. and other parts of the EU or uh, and, uh, and the EU um, have a lot of um, AI investments, too. India is another great example where mm-hmm. there is quite a bit of AI investment and probably you know, technology leadership in the coming, in coming years. This is an opportunity to leapfrog. I mean, what happens to to companies that just don't get on the bandwagon? Uh, these blissfully unaware directors, where, wherever they be, say Europe or, or North America. I mean, what are the consequences if, if of falling behind? Again, I have my opinion. Michael, do you want to yeah, start yeah. first, or do you yeah. want to yeah. start? Okay, so I, I, I personally believe that uh, AI is an area for all directors and C-level management to consider because, as you're pointing out, every company, every competitor is thinking about AI. AI is so much broader than uh, uh, things like blockchain, which is much more narrow in terms of technology. I mean, AI is a, a platform. It's a whole area of growth in the future. And so, you know, to use AI in parts of the business um, today is incredibly important, and over time it will be um, pieced together in other parts of the business too, to pieced together with other parts of the business to really form something that is formidable, right? It's a, a constantly learning organization, constantly learning um, system that will, as you're saying, can possibly leapfrog competitors. So, yeah, I, I think that the competition is driving uh, the use of AI, or should be driving the use of AI um, uh, for a company's business. Hmm. Yeah, I would ag- I would agree with that. And the other thing I would just add is just generally speaking, AI is becoming everywhere. And the reason why it's becoming everywhere is a couple of trends. One, which is that there's just more there's just more data, 
And, you know, part of that has to do with, you know, Internet of Things and wearables, the smartification of formerly formerly, uh, siloed devices. But really, you know, there's facial recognition using finding cameras. There's a a lot of opportunities um, to get data. And then the other thing is just around um, computing power. And because that continues to um, exponentially grow and, you know, there's Moore's Law, which I think a lot of us are aware of, but it's really, you know, in terms of, you know, the, the circuit, circuit square inch and uh, surface area of, of a circuit and how that doubles every 18 to two years in terms of the number of transistors that you can put on that. Um, it continues to grow. And so you have computing power on one side, you have data on the other, and you add that together. And, you know, the trends are definitely that AI is becoming a bigger, bigger part of how businesses do business. And so if um, if you're not on that, then you're definitely at a threat um, to fall behind if your competitors are, are uh, adopting. I always like to remind people is that AI is on our mobile phone today. And the example I always use is Waze, which is an app uh, that helps me you know, get to a location faster. Because, you know, Waze is completely or is very much AI enabled uh, and it's constantly sensing data as Michael was saying a few minutes ago of the traffic and traffic patterns and what new construction is happening and therefore calculating a new route to get to my destination faster. So, you know, when I talk to directors about what AI is, I usually point to their phone and say, here's an app that you probably are using, which is an example of AI that people are using on a day-to-day basis. Hmm. So AI is already here and people are already using it. Before we go any further, um, I wonder if someone can speak sort of on the celestial level. Um, there's opportunities and risks for business, uh, but but also humanity, uh, the universe and everything. Uh, because, you know, I'd like to look at the future sort of medium and long term because I think, I think maybe long term... Um, AI is going to be very different from now and the medium term. It would be more along the lines of uh, replace rather than augment. And uh, that may be scary. Uh, Can anyone speak to that? I I personally see AI as an enabler of humanity. I personally see that machines are uh, something that uh, can augment human life and can make human life better. And so I do believe that AI is something that will... Uh, help humanity. You can see already that uh, it helps humanity in terms of healthcare. There is quite a bit of AI uh, used in diagnosis of diseases and in in, uh, looking at x-rays and different images. Uh, So that's an example of where I think that AI will be helpful to humanity in the future. I think there is big risks. That's the obvious part, right? And the obvious part is it takes leadership. Um, So the people who are listening uh, to this podcast uh, need to take leadership in making sure that there's ethical use of AI. Um, And, you know, that means uh, increased transparency of how um, algorithms uh, are used and developed. Uh, There's increased uh, use and, you know, I think boardrooms um, and leaders need to make decisions about how AI is used. Uh, just because you can do something with AI doesn't mean that you should be doing something with AI. Uh, so that's just um, something that humans need to do um, and step up on. But you need a kill switch yeah. on that. Right, exactly. I mean, I, you know, 
Yeah, there's some really interesting things that you know Microsoft has suggested, um, who I think does a good job at ethically using AI, which is that, yes, there should be a kill switch on AI so that someone can turn it off. I'm sorry, Michael, you were going to say something. No, no, I was agreeing with that, everything that you said. I was going to add another point just around uh, job losses, and I think one of the big threats around AI is that it will lead to um, you know massive unemployment, and, you know, I, I think I agree with everything that John said, which is that I think it'll augment and, and be a boon with risk, of course. But, um, you know, one, one thing that I like to talk about is that if you look at um, jobs within the U.S. and you look over the history of time, in the, 18, in the 1700s, the U.S. was largely an agrarian society. And so the percentage of jobs that were focused on farming was over 80%. And then you had the Industrial Revolution, and that was clearly, you know, a whole set of innovation that really changed the way our economy and the way technology was applied to businesses. And so that really, um, that dramatically increased the proportion of jobs to manufacturing as agrarian um, and farming-type jobs went away. And then over the past five, de- five decades, over the past 50 years, you've seen that, that part of, of industry change. And so manufacturing as a percentage of total jobs has then, you know, subsequently have decreased over time, and that's been replaced by something else. And so I, my point is, you know, you, you'll have, but if you looked over that long period of time over the past um, two or three centuries, it's a steady increase in terms of economic output, in terms of number of jobs. Obviously, there's population increase as well, but what I'd say is that AI is not something that we should be scared of. It's something that actually really has improved the economy. It's just it might require a little bit of a shift in terms of where the jobs go, in terms of, you know, require a little bit of retraining in terms of, you know, making sure that, you know, the population, and this is, we're talking about the U.S., but really applies anywhere in terms of um, how employees will, will need to think about being agile and going where the, where the jobs are. But generally speaking, I'd say that it's, it's, it's a good thing. And it's just me to think about how, how we use that good thing in a way that safeguards against some of the risks. Hmm. Hmm. So directors have to be cognizant of that, the ethical questions, and, and also because um, it has been pretty rocky sometimes, some of the technological shifts, uh, they, and, and maybe they didn't necessarily have to be that rocky. People have to understand that something because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it, um, and that is something that you know, Silicon Valley constantly has to learn over and over again. So, yeah, it has been rocky, um, but I think that it can be course-corrected. I'm, I'm presuming it would be by, by the government. I mean, it can, you can't really rely on sort of individual companies to... Yeah. Well, you know, just briefly, I do think that there is going to be increased... I think, I think board directors and C-level management should understand there is increasing regulation in this area. I think that the uh, California Consumer Privacy Act, which went into effect you know, a few days ago, uh, is a perfect example where citizens um, come together through statewide initiative to basically say you can't, you know, you can't use my consumer data unless I authorize you to do so. And, and I think that that's the kind of thing that will continue to happen um, in the future as people understand the impacts of, of AI and technology on their lives. I totally agree with that, John, because there's, you know, there's a lot of jurisdictions that are thinking about current and future policy approach to AI. Uh, you know, the, uh, the federal government, there's an, there's an AI Congress, Congressional Advisory Committee that was created in 2017, and then also in the EU, 
Um, you know, there's GDPR, there's there's MIFID two. All these things are around data and data use and how that applies to AI. And obviously, there's California, where you just which you just referred to. But all of those are you know all around the policy and how government should be thinking about um, AI and and its ramifications. Right. And, and Michael mentioned facial recognition a few minutes ago. There are many cities and, and local governments which are restricting use of the uh, collecting data via facial recognition. So that's, you know, you see citizens you know, banding together to take uh, initiative in certain areas. Okay. So circling back, in terms of job losses, in terms of directors, I, I, think, it, I think it may be self-limiting in a way. Um, directors are just going to say basically because they can, um, nope, uh, we're going to keep our jobs. We like our jobs. Uh, we're going to use AI as a sort of tool in the boardroom, but it's not going to literally replace us uh, because we just say it won't. Right. No, I, I would agree with that perspective. I would agree that um, I don't think AI replaces um, board directors. I don't think AI replaces management. I think as you think of AI and technology to augment those decisions. Um, you know, there's current laws uh, and even legislation that uh, basically, you know, say that that human judgment um, is really what's uh, important in the decision. You know, there's not a law that says we have to follow what AI or technology says. Uh, and so I think that that um, human oversight uh, will continue on in the boardroom and, and in the C-suite. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think there was a survey that I saw, which was one of the questions was around the greatest challenge or obstacle to your organization's adoption of AI technology. And the biggest a driver for why an organization was not adopting was uh, it was about 50%, and that was because of a lack of know-how and a lack of experience. So I think, you know, fundamentally it's about getting a better understanding of the opportunity as well as the risks, but bringing that all together, I think, um, you know, and I, I do agree with John that it's not going to replace, uh, you know, management the need for management or for directors, but I think getting a better understanding of how technology works and what that can mean for, you know, your particular organization is really critical and important in order to really drive um, you know, find the the opportunity there. Yeah. So there'll always be a human element to it. Um, can we can we talk specifically about how how AI will augment uh, human director d- decisions? Is it gonna is it gonna be like Alexa, kind of sitting in the boardroom chair? I, you know, I'm just trying to get my head kind of around that. Yeah, I mean, one one thing I would say is that I think at least in the in the near term, if you're a board member, what I would say is that the thing that you're probably coming across, um, if if any, is really around innovation spend, and spend related to innovation more broadly, but also specifically to AI and AI related technologies. And so I think that's something that is that is pretty concrete, um, and something that you know, again, I think that's and that's tied to having an understanding and a fundamental underlying understanding of, of what the technology is and what it represents. And, you know, as an example, right, um, if, you're, if you're thinking about a technology, you know, ultimately and an investment related to that, you have to think about competitors because competitors could, you know, have a perceived advantage around whether it's cybersecurity, whether it's, you know, regulatory, whether it's, it's um, something else, but they might have 
an edge as it relates to data and 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 AI in a way that your that your company uh, may not. And so I do think that there's there's a whole bucket of conversation around how do you think about innovation, how do you think about investments, and how does AI impact your business vis-a-vis your competitors and what what's happening in the industry. Yep, yep. I completely agree with Michael says. I do want to go back to the imagery you had of um, AI sitting in a boardroom chair. Um, but let me, can I just kind of add to what Michael is saying first, and we'll go back to what does that actually look like in the boardroom, mm-hmm. um, in that I think that, uh, you know, as Michael is saying, it's around, you know, boardrooms will have to approve innovation spend, completely agree about with that. Um, you know, I think that it's all part of the overall company strategy that the you know, board members are uh, completely involved in and obviously need to approve on a, at least annual basis. And that strategy should probably include some um, components where different parts of the business experiment with um, AI and AI can augment um, the you know, learning about customers or uh, augment customer service by use of chatbots um, or how they can um, augment manufacturing using the use of robotics and robotics and AI. Uh, so obviously the strategy level, um, I think that that's, you know, very important. Uh, I think that there are some, you know, audit committee issues uh, as well too. Uh, again, we were talking about privacy a few minutes ago, and so you know, board members will need to think about how um, data is used within the company and whether consumer privacy is um, is protected. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I think audit committees will have to be looking at the use of algorithms that AI use to um, make decisions and whether those um, algorithms are produced the outcomes which are reasonable to come up with. Um, algorithms today are used a lot in the hiring process of, re- of hiring and selecting uh, new people to organizations. And, you know, it, it, it goes all the way up to the board level to ensure that algorithms are appropriately used so that uh, the outcomes are appropriate for the company. Uh, You're talking about specifically also- hiring and firing board members? Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm talking about employee. So thank you for oh, okay. asking me that question. No, I, I'm talking really more about um, algorithms are used to um, in the selection process to hire a new employee of a company. Uh, so, for example, when someone's applying uh, into for some job, an algorithm is used to sort through all the you know, hundreds, if not thousands, of resumes uh, for an open position, and then there are, you know candidates which are selected, and then obviously there are a few um, uh, interviews for someone to get a job. And so algorithms are used in that way to make sure yeah, you know, it is a management and up to and up to the board ultimately to make sure that those algorithms are used appropriately so that the outcomes um, are fair to employees and you really are getting the most, the best employees, you know, for the open roles. So hopefully that digression makes sense. If that, what I just said, does that make sense? Um, yeah, that, that's okay. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah. So going back to the, will will be involved algorithms be involved in the use of evaluating board members? I I personally don't think so in the short or medium term. Um, you know, I think that there are other um, board evaluation tools which um, can and should be used that are better um, ways to evaluate a board member's performance. 
Um, but maybe this makes sense to kind of go to your um, example. You know, I, I don't think it's AI sitting in a board chair, but I do think it is the in the Amazon Echo or the Google Home speaker sitting in the in the uh, in the boardroom. And I think that those the AI will be used primarily to um, service data. So basically, service you know. Um, it will aggregate consumer information and offer to board members to offer insight into consumers. Uh, I think it will offer, it will aggregate data about finance of company and to assess whether there um, is any variance that shouldn't be happening uh, within different parts of the organization. Um, I think AI will be used primarily as a way to consolidate information to be consumed at the board level uh, to make better decisions. So that's why I think it's not going to be necessarily making the decision, but it's going to be pulling data together to inform the board member on what decisions may need to be made within the company. Okay. Um, will they say, for example, okay, uh, um, algorithm, uh, we've just heard from our M&A committee or whatever, uh, and, and we should... And they've provided us with a bunch of numbers. Uh, what do you think about their numbers? Should we make this purchase or not? Is that would that be a kind of is that how it would work? I know it wouldn't work like that, but would it work something like that? Yeah. So so um, so I um, so Michael, I will offer my opinion, and please change and correct me um, if you think otherwise. Um, I I, tr- I think that a board member could ask an AI uh, machine whether the, the NPV is positive uh, for an acquisition, and obviously AI could make that kind of um, you know quantitative evaluation about whether it is um, you know a positive NPV or not. Mm-hmm. But I also think that um, it is the board member's responsibility to understand what went into that judgment that the AI is making, this goes back to the algorithms which are used for AI. Um, is AI really assessing all the data that's necessary to make sure that the that an MPV is positive? Um, also, are the data sources appropriate? So are there, is it collecting all the, the data from a due diligence perspective in terms of whether, and, and a lot of that due diligence information is qualitative, obviously, right? It's not, it's not necessarily financial. It's a, it's a qualitative decision. Is it making all those decisions as well, too? Um, and so, again, I think it is possible for AI to offer that kind of opinion, but I do think that board members are still responsible for making a decision that aligns with what AI says, but also is totally fine if it makes a decision which is different from AI, because again, okay. there is not, there's not enough data quality, there's not enough qualitative information, there's not enough, um, there's not everything, everything that's needed to make a decision like whether to acquire a company is not there in AI yet. There's so. still a little bit in the gut. Well, well yeah, I, sorry, yeah, uh, yeah sorry, please, you can finish up. No, 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 no. Well, I, well, just to answer your question, and, and then Michael, please correct me if I'm wrong or change what I'm saying. But you know, acquiring a company is a perfect example where a board director and management, in particular, have to take all sorts of information together, right? And I, I wouldn't say it's a gut decision, but it is a decision that falls one way or the other based upon all the qualitative and quantitative information. Um, so it is. It's both those things, um, in my opinion, which is. Currently, beyond you know AI's capabilities to make to make decision based upon qualitative and quantitative information. Hmm. 
Yeah, exactly. I completely agree with you, John. Uh, what I was going to say is that, you know, ultimately on this specific example, which I think is a really good concrete one, is that, um, you know, there is there is a quantitative component, and I think data can definitely help um, bring that together, and AI can help with some of the decision-making around, you know, the specific quantitative metrics. But at the end of the day, with respect to an investment that you make or you buy a company or um, something along those lines, there's a huge qualitative component that requires judgment. And and some of that is, is just not, you know, in terms of, you know, the data and what that, that requires, you know, fundamentally, when, when you when you have judgment, it comes, it brings together both the quantitative and the qualitative. And the qualitative sometimes is, for example, you know, you have, a, you have competitive factors and you have a competitive landscape and you have to have an understanding of, you know, if you, if you acquire this company, what that means, um, you know, with respect to the positioning of, of the combined entity and, you know, what the trends are in the space. Right. And, and there's, there's, there's quantitative components to that, but ultimately it's, it's qualitative in terms of how you think about um, what's happening. And there's the judgment that's layered on both of those things, right? And that's, that's really where I think, at, at least at this stage, um, AI would not be able to replace that. Okay, but there are there are I mean some there are decisions that AI can make alone, right? I mean there is a, a case for automation. I mean, is there is there some part of this whole future in corporate governance that's going to be automated or at all or or not? Will, will there always have to be a, a director sort of looking over and going, hmm, this algorithm sounds crazy or whatever? I, I personally think it's the latter. I think that there's going to be have to be human judgment about. There are sometimes things that won't make sense, and that's where humans have to take over the responsibility for, you know, this algorithm, this program, this system does not make sense. Okay. So it fundamentally won't, won't change how boards, how corporate governance gets done in terms of, of, of a set of directors and a chairman and, and, and boards and committees and, and meetings and so on and setting, setting strategy the way they've always done it, they'll just have this new tool to, to help them do it, I guess, with better, faster, smarter information. Well, you know, if we, if we go back to the M&A example, right, if you make an investment, you know, I, I would think about it as there's, there's a couple criteria that you want to achieve that, um, you know, there's, there's kind of like the financial component of, you know, you want to hit this return or you want to hit this profitability metric. And you know, every company might have a different view on that. Mm-hmm. And I think something like that, you know, if you have the right data and it's feeding into um, a system and you have a framework around, you know, there's a financial component, there's probably, there's other qualitative components, there's competitive, there's a lot of different ways in which you could think about um, you know, whether or not, you know, you think about integration and, you know, if the company is the best acquirer or not and what integration might look like and, you know, who is managing the company and is that person the right leader to manage the acquired company. So there's, there's a whole bunch of different factors. And I think, you know, you could, you could think about AI as providing a framework to provide a recommendation um, on some of the quantitative components, right? And, and it will help augment decision-making, but I agree with John that at the end of the day, you know, it, it, it comes down to do you have the right data even in place in order to provide that recommendation? And if it's something that's tangible like financial returns and profitability and revenue growth and other types of things like that, then yes. And I think in, in some of the other ones, right, like is this, do we have the right leader in place in order to, to lead the acquired company? 
Uh, clearly, that's not something where data, and maybe maybe you can get to a world where you start quantifying different attributes and you plug that into a machine and maybe that'll help you make the decision. But ultimately, it does come down to the director where where they need to take all of that information and bring it together and make the decision. And so my point is, it can, it can you, to the extent that you have the right data, then if you can bring it together and and it can provide a framework to the extent that you have that data. But if you don't, then it really will require some some level of, of judgment that I think in the in the short to medium term it's not going to take away, you know, the way in which a director, you know, and the responsibilities what they're going to have to do. There will always be situations of limited data and <laughs> Yes, exactly. And, and, and to add to that a little bit, a topic that we haven't talked about, but it totally makes sense to talk about at this point is that, you know, AI also increases the uh, capability of um, cybersecurity problems uh, and, and uh, to be able to realize that um, some of the data um, may not be accurate and or could have been changed is incredibly important for, you know, humans and odd committees to understand and assess to make sure the data that's coming into making assessments and decisions is something that could possibly have been compromised. And so it is something that, that, that adds, that's another reason for human judgment. What do you folks want to say to, to directors? I mean, what, what, I Mike, I'm, I'm looking actually specifically at your um, your blog about how to uh, a map for your AI journey. You talk about building your AI strategy and uh, kind of first steps that directors should take or boards should take when approaching whole, all this. Is there is there anything we can leave our audience with? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think there's a couple of things. Um, definitely, um, you know, starting off with making sure, and this is this. This ties back to a point um, that John had talked about in terms of making sure that your AI strategy is tied to your overall corporate strategy and, and really just understanding, first and foremost, as you think about AI, you have to think about what are you trying to accomplish, what are you trying to solve for, what does your business strategy look like, and use that as an assessment of the current situation, first and foremost, and then thinking about you know, whether it's data visualization, whether it's analytics, whether it's predictive analytics or machine learning or all of these, you know, different applications as it relates to AI, um, sort of those are dependent um, on, on the company's applications as well as the associated data. Right. And so just really understanding data quality, um, understanding data strategy, and understanding all that as it relates to the overall corporate strategy, I think is first and foremost as kind of a, as a launching pad and then, you know, the second thing is really around experimentation. And, you know, there's a phrase called fail fast, and that's something that's frequently used when people think about, you know, agile and agile design and programming methodology. But, um, you know, the way that I think about it is how do you learn? The flip of that is how do you learn quickly, right? And so being agile in your approach, how do you learn quickly? How do you fail fast? And how do you experiment in a way that doesn't go take you down a rabbit hole and a ton of investment, but really just trying to experiment around the edges and, and take that um, to, to learn as quickly as possible and figure out whether or not, you know, one, one specific use case is the right use case for you and your organization. Mm. And, then, and, then, uh, and then once you sort of take that, you know, I, I think a really key part of it is then the people and 
making sure that you have the right personnel personnel within the organization to implement um, a clear AI roadmap um, and and communicating that across the organization. And so that's around getting the right people, having the right execution strategy, and um, and cascading that out throughout the organization. Yeah, I, you know, I think I agree with everything Michael said, and certainly cannot say it better because I think that I think he said it extremely well. Um, and the only additional tidbit I would add is that you know, I just remind uh, people, um, board directors and, and management, that you know AI is easier to implement than moving to a new ERP system. Even moving to the cloud may be more difficult than piloting AI in different parts of an organization. So the AI journey is starts at a much smaller scale um, than an ERP move or a move to the cloud. Uh, and so that's something that companies should be experimenting with because their competitors are experimenting with it today. Mike, on that note, can we talk about how Broadridge is integrating AI into its uh, strategic future? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think, you know, the way that we think about AI as, as, as an entity is really around, you know, how do we help our clients and how do we help them and how do we take the investments and that we've made um, on behalf of our clients and, you know, we have a network and a network effect with respect to financial services. And so how do we sort of take the learnings that, that we get from all of our clients, bring it together, and then distribute that back um, and really help certain entities? Um, and how do we become the, the on-ramp um, for, for certain entities as they, as they contemplate their innovation roadmap? And, you know, the one thing that I think about with respect to AI and Broadridge is that, there, there's a push uh, within financial services, specifically just more generally around, um, you know, how to use AI uh, to get cost savings. And I think that is definitely something um, that that could be an opportunity, particularly as it relates to, um, you know, robotics and robotics process automation. And I think that there's definitely merit and value when you think about, you know, the opportunity there. But I also think that there's also a, another component around, um, you know, what, it, what is the longer-term opportunity? And, you know, that can mean whether it's, you know, building new products, whether it's using AI to improve the customer experience. And there's, there are things that are not only kind of, you know, there's a short-term cost savings that you can get, but there's also the longer-term strategy of, you know, how do you use AI and its related technologies to really, you know, augment a customer experience or augment um, your, your customer acquisitions um, how do you how do you sort of you know create new products out of that? And so I think if you if the framework that I'd like to leave you with is that you know there's there's kind of short term, there's also long term, and if you can get both at the same time as you think about AI, um, you know that would be a really good thing. And that's your ticker podcast. What do you think? What decisions should we allow machines to make? And if AI is indeed collaborative to humans, as John and Mike contend, what kind of responsibilities do boards and management have for the AI they create? Send your puny human thoughts to us at editorial at irmagazine.com. Thanks for listening. In Montreal, I'm Jeff Cassette.